welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Dee Hogan, a writer and editor for Anifem, as well as the owner of the anime blog, The Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm an editor and writer for uh, Anime Feminist, and I also run the blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. Hi, I'm Vry Kaiser, and I am also an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist, and I run the blog Fashionable Tinfoil Accessories and the podcast Trash and Treasures. Okay. Uh, For this episode of the podcast, we will be celebrating both the anime's recent completion and the print release of the manga by talking about the devastatingly good historical drama, Descending Stories, Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju, which I'll probably just call Rakugo Shinju from now on, because that is a mouthful. So many words. That's a lot of words. Uh, So just to give you a little background information before we dig into it, uh, Rakugo Shinju was adapted from the Jose manga written by Kumota Haruko. Uh, Fun fact, this was Kumota's first Jose series. Previously, she'd uh, exclusively written Yaoi, um, which are male-male romance titles. Uh, But you totally can't tell while watching Rakugo Shinji that she's interested in love stories between men. (laughs) Totally heterosexual. Like, not at all. Totally heterosexual. (laughs) Super, yeah. Um, The anime was produced by Studio Dean and directed by Hatakeyama Mamoru and features an all-star cast of longtime voice actors, including Tomokazu Seki, Hayashibara Megumi, and, of course, Ishida Akira, who gives what I'm going to say is the greatest performance of his career as the protagonist, uh, Bon. I may finally stop thinking of him as Kaoru and also other people. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be Bon exactly. from now on. Um, for, for me, uh, Rakugo is running at the same time as Classical Lloyd, so, and it was back-to-back, so I will think of him as Bon and also as Padcoon, the snarky iPad. Oh, um, of course. It was, he had a busy season. He has a lot of range. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Very similar series. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, as the title suggests, Rakugo Shinju is about the world of Rakugo, a traditional Japanese storytelling art form. Uh, One person gets on a stage and tells a story to the audience using minimalist props and very little movement. Um, It's actually a pretty cool thing, so if you are joining us, if you're somewhat new into this, I would say check it out online because it's kind of neat. Um, In very simple terms, the story follows the life of the Rakugo performer Bon, in less simple terms, it's a sweeping series covering about 80 years and four generations, and we do not have time to summarize the whole thing here. Uh, so we're assuming that if you're listening, you know the story already, or you don't mind being confused or spoiled. So spoiler alerts for the rest of the podcast. And uh, that is kind of the end of my prologue. Uh, in case that didn't clue you in, I'm a huge fan of the series, and I could probably talk about it all day. I will do my very best not to monopolize this podcast. Uh, Caitlin and Vry, I think it's safe to say that you're both view this one pretty positively as well i'm a big fan yeah i i really enjoyed the first season i've watched the first season twice maybe three times all the way through the second season i have not revisited yet but maybe someday it's it's very good is the thing it's it's good and full of feelings i dragged my feet (laughs) forever what getting started on this because i'm terrible but then i binge watched it in a day <laughs> like the, the first i remember that yeah because you were like i i'm gonna start rocking and i was like okay cool and then like by the end of the day you were sending me like all caps lock messages about it, and i was like oh god did you finish and you're like yep season one done So I like had to make sure that you'd finish it because I didn't want to spoil anything. So I was like, you, I was like, you, you started yesterday. Are you done? <laughs> I 
was very impressed. <laughs> I did not know it was, I, I watched it week to week, so I didn't know it was a binge watch. I thought maybe it wasn't one of those shows that you wanted to binge necessarily. It might be one that you'd want to watch like a few episodes and then take a break and then watch a few kind of thing. Uh, no, it turns out it's bingeable. It's, it's very so. bingeable. Actually, it is pretty bingeable, actually. Having yeah. having had kind of a foot in both, because I also, I tried to wait all the way through season two so I could binge it also, and I didn't make it. So I I, all, I watched the back half of season two week to week, and it's, I, I think it's a much better experience binged because you can keep track of the recurrent narrative threads a little better, I think. Mm-hmm. Or you can just watch every episode twice and take extensive two pages worth of notes like I did. And then you're good. And you won't forget anything. I <laughs> have very distinctive memories of just lying on the floor of the preschool I was working at, surrounded by sleeping children, watching it on my phone. Oh. Um, I also had a big fight with my sister one time because I was visit. we were both visiting our parents and she wanted to watch Dawson's Creek on the TV. And I had my shitty laptop, and I was like, no, I'm watching this anime. You can deal with it. You can go watch your goddamn 90s teen soap opera on your computer. Now, when I was 17 and depressed, <laughs> I did watch every season of Dawson's Creek, so I can't throw too much shade. I mean, I'm not... Listen, I've watched some shitty 90s teenage soap operas. Oh, it's garbage. It's terrible, terrible garbage. When it, when it comes to like the pri- what gets priority for the TV... As opposed to a shitty laptop <laughs> screen, I think... I think Rakugo Shinju is yeah. the winner. I yeah. think it's the clear winner um, in most situations, really. Is this the nicest looking Studio Dean anime ever? Oh, it's so uh, beautiful. It's absolutely up there. Yeah, uh, listeners, if you, in case you don't know, Studio Dean kind of has a reputation for um, quality anime <laughs> with, like, all caps and a lot of sarcasm behind that word. Um, but Rakugo Shinju, like, the animation is Quality's pretty minimal. spelled with a K-W. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, the animation is is fairly minimal, um, but they but it still looks gorgeous, um, and a lot of that comes down to um, I think kind of the storyboarding. Uh, Hatakayama has a really good eye for uh, detail and body language, and it goes a long way when you don't necessarily have like a giant budget for dynamic sakuga style animation. Um, or resources or whatever. But you know, it's not always about right. money. Um, but I mean, it just but, looks yeah. nicer. He, well, and the thing is, he's done two other shows for Dean, um, uh, Sankarea and uh, Rosenmaiden Zurichsbühlen, mm-hmm. which I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, um, but they were also, like, two of the best-looking Studio Dean shows I've ever seen, so um, I, I do I do credit a lot of it to him. I think he, I think that looking over the production um, as the series director, he, um, I would guess that he sort of holds it to a high, uh, to a high standard, and I think that goes a long way. Um, towards making the show just look beautiful. Um, also, the backgrounds are glorious. I think Studio Jack did those mm. for Rakugo. Um, and, yeah, they're very lush and, like, realist, like realistic, but in kind of an artistic, beautiful way, which is sort of the whole thing about the show, is it's kind of, like, couched between literal and emotional realism. Um, and, yeah, it just it looks, it looks amazing. Uh, so, yeah, obviously we're all really high on this series, um, so this is going to be a lot of a lot of praising, probably. Which yeah, is just, good. just a lot um, of tongue bathing. I don't, I mean, I'm... <laughs> you could, you could probably... You just had to make it sound dirty, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> is that, is that, I'm sorry, is that not why I'm here? I, I'm confused. Just to, just to get the innuendos out of yeah, everything. That's what uh, I do. That's why we, that's why we keep Vry around. 
Um, but yeah, so, uh, but kind of keeping with that, you know, the fact that we all did really like it so much, um, I figure I'd kind of start with what, what sort of, what kind of hooked you into the show? What drew you to it? Um, what, like, if you were kind of talking about with somebody else about, like, what about it that really stuck out to you and made you want to keep watching and got you invested in it, kind of what was that, especially in the early going? Um, Konatsu. Oh, Konatsu <laughs> is great. You want to expand on that? Uh, I... Obviously, like, I watched the series for all of the same reasons as everyone else. It's gorgeous. It's, you know, beautifully written. All of the characters are incredibly compelling. But I have this thing for angry girls in my stories. Women who are, like, just, they have been wronged by society in some way, by gender roles, by, uh, you know, they're chafing against the sort of... um, expectations that are for them and Konatsu in the first couple episodes of the show was absolutely 100% that kind of girl I just like completely fell in love with her I thought she was a super interesting character I couldn't wait to learn more about her and then she like barely appeared or she didn't yeah she barely appeared for the rest of the season and then it was as a small child (laughs) but yeah, she was definitely sort of the first thing about the show that really, really grabbed hold of me and wouldn't let go. Yeah, I think it's interesting coming in as a newcomer because I know that, like, when people recommend the show to newcomers, I think there's a lot of, um, they already are cued in to be attached to Yotaro and Kanatsu particularly. But then as you're watching it as, as a new viewer, it's like those char- I, I had a really hard time fixing on who those characters were because they go away so quickly, not because they're not great and I love them very much, but they are backgrounded for the entire first season season. Yeah, it's um it's it's kind of a bold storytelling style because in that first episode, uh Yotaro and Konatsu are absolutely like the most charming, like sympathetic, easy to easy to kind of want to root for right off the bat type type characters. Um, while Bon is who we don't even call that. We call him Yakumo at that point. Um, you're not really sure what to think about him, and he seems like he might be kind of a jerk. Um, I mean, he I'm, is he is a jerk. He is. He's a he, darling he is jerk. Kinda. He is. He is a bad dad. <laughs> he's very. He's very grouchy. Um, um, but so, but then to you know, but then they they shoot you back in time, and you um, you you know, you start with him as as a kid, and. It does. It kind of asks a lot of you to go, well, you're not going to see these characters you really liked for a while, but we hope that we'll get you to, to like this these other characters instead. And uh, for me, anyway, they, they definitely succeeded on that. Um, I know Absolutely. That, I, I know that what kind of drew me to it was, especially by the time I got to the... Because the second episode, you get into the backstory... And you're like, well, okay, let's. What's going on here? Um, and then by the third episode, which is the one where Shin goes to war and Bond has to stay behind, um, I was absolutely sold on the story and the characters because I started to kind of have a better feel for who Bone was and how you know sort of terrified he was of abandonment and how much he wanted to be of use and look after people. And they just did a very good job that episode conveying that, especially in kind of the nuances of body language and little details, um, which I thought was really lovely. And it also did a nice job of, like, what kind of what you were saying, Caitlin, that first episode sets up um, this gender dynamic with Konatsu, where she wants to be a Yakumo, perf- uh, oh my god, a, a Rakugo <laughs> performer, 
Uh, More on that later. <laughs> she wants to be. She wants to be the next Yakuma. She wants to be a Rakugo performer, but um, but at this point, women aren't aren't allowed to perform, and and so she's she's been sort of denied this. And then we zip back in time, and right away they they kind of keep us connected to the early stuff with some of those similar themes. Because when you meet Bon, he is this, you know, sort of not traditionally masculine, more traditionally sort of feminine character, raised in a geisha house, once w- enjoys dancing and sort of gets that ripped away from him, partly because he's a, he's, um, a boy and partly because uh, of his injury. Right. So, it's it's parale- very strong parallels there. It was very interesting to me from the start how Yakumo didn't really... you you could see all of these similarities between them in, in, in their origins. And it was very, like, it was very interesting about how Yakumo bone, whatever we want to call him. Um, yeah. Didn't... Characters names change all the time. I'm, I just yeah. have to stick to bone. So I get really confused about which name I should call each character. Um, but how bone did not extend her, um, understanding because if he had been understanding she wouldn't be this just absolutely furious at the world furious at him um, so he didn't where where did his compassion for her situation go um, and that was sort of um, one of the things that the show sort of slowly built up like how they got to be that in that situation. No, I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the best, like the stealth best relationships in the show is, is this very, the fact that they are very much the same kind of person in a lot of ways that isn't immediately apparent. And the, and the way that their right. mutual tragedy for probably the person that, uh, over losing the person they loved more than anybody else has really left them, sort of bereft but also with this prickly kind of companionship and it's real real good it is and and yeah and the way it develops over the series and i do think it's you know it's it's complicated for bone because on the one hand i think he's a really well on the one hand i think like from a personal perspective he kind of doesn't want anyone to get involved with rakugo so it's not just because kanasu's a girl it's like he's he's refusing to take any apprentices he's kind of keeping people out of the industry and sort of causing it to die a little bit he is he Um, is the shinigami for Rakugo. Yeah. That's I mean, how he, he sees himself as the god of death, like ushering Rakugo into irrelevance, basically. Yeah. Um, but then, but then I think there's, so I think there's, there's that on the one hand, but then I think on the other hand, he's also a really good example of uh, kind of internalized prejudices, how you can sort of, you kind of come to, even though he experienced those things as a kid where he was kind of shoved out of a world because of his gender, um, you live in that society long enough that you kind of start to internalize it. And so Konatsu comes along and she's like, I want to be a Rakugo performer. And he's like, girls can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get to be a dancer. You don't get to be a Rakugo performer. And it's really, it's very lovely how, you know, towards the very, very end of their, of his, of his life and their relationship together, um, he does come around on that. Um, First by kind of just not stopping her from performing. He's just like, do whatever you want. Um, but then when she does finally ask him to make him, to make her his apprentice, he's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so it's beautiful. It's like, it's, yeah, the show has a lot of emotional cat, a lot of like emotional peaks. And that's, that's definitely one of the major ones. That, um, so that happened in the same episode where she announced she was pregnant. Yeah. 
I cried way, way more at her asking to be Yakumo's apprentice. Like, babies make me cry. Oh. <laughs> like, like, that's just who I am. I spend all day every day around babies. Babies make me cry. So. Um, I cried more when Konatsu asked Bon to if she could be his apprentice than when she told uh, Yotaro that she was pregnant. Well, their relationship, I, I mean, I think that um, Konatsu and Yotaro make me very happy because they're they're very sweet and they're the kind of they're, they're the kind of relationship that I can give a shit about because I have an idea when I watch them of why they like being around each other and like what they would talk about, which I think a lot of yeah, like a lot of heterosexual mm-hmm. ships in anime do not bother with that. It's just like, hey, I think that's it, true of a lot I of like ships you. in anime. Like, why I think do, there's a lot of BL like where you? I have I a hard that's time too. That's... knowing what they would talk about. I think that's just, I think that's an anime ship problem in general. Right. Um, but I know what you mean. Like that sense of like sometimes it feels like they just cram two characters together because I guess we should have a romance. Right. But um, like, but, but like at the same time, they're they're very non-demonstrative. Like I I think I think that um chin and bone have have more intimacy despite never really resolving that on screen than than yutaro and kanatsu do despite what clearly clearly they're intimate they had a child yeah up until up until she tells him she's pregnant and it's his kid i genuinely wasn't sure if their relationship was like more just kind of a familial thing where they got married because it made sense mm-hmm. um or if they were an intimate married couple so i was like oh okay you guys do you guys do bang good for you but it is like they very clearly they focused on that relationship they focused a lot more on um their kind of emotional bond and and like you were saying you know you could you can get a feel for for how they would just hang out on a regular day and go about just like business, the fact that so. they love each other's performance like as a like fact that they're specifically a performing couple like they're both artists and they love each other's work so much is ah oh, it gets me right in the feels yeah well and the thing about like to me yotaro isn't a like I like Yotaro. He's not a super interesting character on his own, but how he interacts and changes the people around him is really interesting. Um, And the support he gives Konatsu goes a long way towards her kind of having the courage to sort of get out of that mentality of, oh, I can't be a part of the Rakugo world. Um... And you know, kind of, kind of try to struggle towards that dream. And I think that, I think that, and then, and obviously, you know, uh, she supports him too. And so it's that mutual uh, bond there is really, really nice. I, to I see. will say that Yotaro was kind of what caught my eye at first because he's mm-hmm. Same. like because he's so. I, I expected him to be kind of the, you know, the character, the reluctant punk who sort of eventually melts and admits that he likes the thing. But Yotaro is just so sincerely enthusiastic from the world word go in a way that's unusual and very mm-hmm. endearing it's so sweet he's a sweet boy he is a sweet boy well and he does and he does sort of tie in in a very different way he kind of ties into that same sort of underlying mm-hmm. um thread about um people from people being told they can't do something because of something in their past or how they were born or things like that because um his background as a criminal uh does kind of cause him some problems and uh Mm -hmm. 
and the fact that Yotaro, uh, oh gosh, the fact that Bon is willing to, you know, take him on and stand up for him and not be bothered about the rumors that are going around um, is, I think it's one of the early signs where you're like, oh, he is still, he is still a big teddy bear at heart, um, kind of trying to look out for the strays around him in the, in the same way that, you know, he maybe didn't necessarily feel like he was growing up. Well, I think there's an interesting reversal at play too, because, you know, uh, Kanatsu and Yotaro, Bone, both are, are those like I said, those kind of characters who are very similar but don't but seem opposite at first. Whereas once we mm-hmm. once you start going on the flashback, you have you start with um, Yotaro, uh, and then you you switch over and you have Shin instead. And those two initially seem like very similar characters of these very like open, sincere kinds of of young men who open up the people around them, and they they turn out to be very different kinds of people. And at a certain point, I realized that oh, this show is this show is the very specific subgenre that I like, which is period pieces that are unexpectedly gay. This is very good. <laughs> Prove that, yeah. Um, that yeah, that was definitely a topic that was going to come up eventually, but let's just get into it now. Yeah. Um, the the relationships um, in the, in the backstory, especially, are complex and a lot of subtext and kind of open to interpretation. So I was kind of curious to hear sort of um, how, I mean, I think Vry's answer to this would be somewhat <laughs> obvious, but uh, how, how you kind of read that um, based on, based on kind of what we saw and, you know, just kind of your feelings about the way they handled that sort of, I, I guess I would call it a love triangle, but it's kind of a half-hearted love triangle. Um, it's sort of interesting looking at the background of the people, like what the people who have actually worked on the series have said, like um, uh, Ishida and Hayashibara have re- referred to them as being in love, romantic love. The manga artist sort of has stated that she started off seeing Miyokichi more as a villain and an obstacle and not, you know, not as a an actual prospect. So that's sort of I uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't really have any conclusive interpretations like that's one of those things where I have like a very soft sort of oh it is you can interpret it either way no reading is incorrect um, but I do yeah no I totally do believe that Bone is in love with Sheen and he is sort of not realizing it and Miyokichi is I think she's so messed up that I don't think she's really capable of like loving anyone for who they are just what she like because she she you know she's got such a tragic past and she's been betrayed and used by men over and over and over so I think she saw Bone as someone who would not use her the same way that she had been. She complains about him not being interested in sex, but I think him not being, not pursuing sex with her is one of the things that she also in some way liked about him. She knew that he wasn't just going to, um, what's the horrible, vulgar phrase that I'm looking for? Hit it and quit it. Well, and I think she even says that, like, when they first meet, she's like, you don't look at me the way most people look at me. Um, I forget exactly what the line is, but it is that that very much that sense of, like, you don't just look at me like I'm a piece of meat. Um, and no, I do. She's, 
She's fascinating to me because she's one of those characters while watching the show I have a really hard time sympathizing with. Um, and I think, I think she sort of, well, more, I, I sympathize with her more as the series went on. And I think, um, I think, uh, Kumota, the manga art, uh, author even said that she kind of changed up the ending for her mm-hmm. based partly on Hayashibara's performance because it, she just gave her so many more kind of layers and complexities than what was maybe in the initial, uh, like on the page, um, that it kind of almost changed the manga artist's thoughts on the character, which I yeah. think is a really cool kind of interchange of, of ideas between two mediums. Mm-hmm. But she's one of those characters to me where you kind of have to dive yourself back into the 50s and 60s, um, I guess pretty much the 50s, mm-hmm. uh, in Japan, because she's trying to live a life that is inc- like geisha and... Um, like courtesans and things like that are being sort of are being phased out because of the anti-prostitution laws and she's getting older and so she's living in this world where the job she knows is no longer available but as a woman there's still there's very little else open to her if she can't get married so and and bond maybe meaning well tells her well just you can do whatever you want but like what does that mean when she has yeah it's like no she can't yeah, he's yeah he's trying, but it's it's that it's and when he says that, there's that part of me like you know as a as a as a woman in in twenty uh, I guess it was sixteen at the time. Um, I was like, yeah, you tell her, Bond, and then I'm like, no, D, shut up. That's that is your privilege <laughs> and his privilege talking. Um, she can't just do whatever she wants. Um, that's that's not the that's not the world y'all live in. Um, and so her frustrations with him after he says that I think are a lot more understandable when you kind of put it into the historical context um and then the way she kind of immediately gloms on to shin because she really i mean that that's that's kind of her way of surviving at that it's it it is interesting to me that um i need i need a chart and also i need i need um Shin and Yurie to like sit down and work out a schedule for their boyfriend because clearly things could have been <laughs> listen Poly relationships are about responsible communication, and you're all failing he- terribly. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, they all—they all did a real bad job of talking to each other. Um, was well, and then and then they're all—they're all kind of held back by various, you know, social constraints in terms of like, oh, well, you're supposed to marry this kind of person, and you're supposed to have this kind of life, and um, and the characters who kind of, you know, like Shin kind of tries to rebel against that a little bit and gets kicked out on his ass, basically. Right. Um, so there are, you know, very real, so it's, it's very much to me, like, like, obviously they do need to talk more, but to me, the tragedy in that first season is very much more a tragedy of the environment and of their circumstances Mm -hmm. than of some, you know, fatal flaw of any one or or multiple characters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of the, the tragedy of all the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the second season just happens to not be a tragedy, largely because there are forces in place that are like working to make things better well and with i remembered my thought uh with with yurie yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's interesting that you know she's very much a character that to not just write her off as the woman who's in the way of of the bl relationship which i think is is the mangaka's roots showing themselves a little bit um yeah like you really have to dig your feet into the context which should also theoretically be true of bone because yeah, yeah, because of because of his time, he's he's pushed away from being in a relationship with her, and certainly it goes without even saying, probably with 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 Shin. Um, but those, 
elements of societal pressure are baked overtly into his narrative. Like the anime goes out of its way to show us that in a way it doesn't with Yurie, which I think is an interesting dichotomy. I can't talk anymore. Words are gone. I know what you, I know what you meant. Um, well, I think part of that is because the, we are getting that entire backstory from Bone's perspective. And he there's he's very limited in exactly how much he knows about the other characters. So we don't get quite as much of their sort of unique circumstances. We get it kind of in fits and starts. Like Shin's um, terrible, terrible, holy shit alcoholism. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Yeah, Shin yeah, has alcoholism like the whole story. And no, it's not really addressed because it probably wouldn't have been back then. Um, well, in Japan, I mean, kind of well, tries, Japan's but... attitude towards alcoholism in general is very not a... <laughs> is it? Not a thing. Mm. Well, yeah, for, for a, it took me a while to catch on that they were serious they were seriously addressing it as a problem in the anime because the, mm-hmm. the lovable lush playboy character is so frequently used but yeah, yeah and well it, yeah and uh once he's like trying to function on his own like he and his daughter are living in squalor he's too busy drinking away any money that she gets to like go out and find a job for himself like yeah, what and alcohol I think, did to him was very, like, really messed up. Well, and I think at that point it's it's a combination of both. Because I think he was sort of like, I mean, I hate to use the term functioning alcoholic, but it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he was I think that he was still kind of there beforehand because he was still like, well, I'm, I want to do these performances. I want to go out and, and take care of these things. Um, so he kind of had that to balance it a little bit. But then when, he, when they go out to that town, like, by the time Bone finds him out in the village... Um, it's to me it's not just alcoholism like he's pretty deeply in depression mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. those two things just just combine into a uh, a cocktail of awful um, it was like a and he's in a bad place yeah. by that as somebody who kind of follows the the culture around stand-up comedy i don't think this was done purposefully but it is very interesting to me how shin's ki- shin kind of uh, spiral into falling apart once his career once he lost his career opportunities parallels that that kind of cultural element of well you're always performing in clubs and you're going out and meeting and greeting people where there's a lot of alcohol and you're supposed to be the fun guy and then you have this problem and no one cares yeah no that's actually a good point um there that is a part of of the rakugo culture i remember kind of reading up on this um the uh, what were they called fatatsume right that's like you're not an apprentice anymore but you're yeah the journeyman Um, yeah Part of what was kind of expected of a, futa- of a futatsume was because so many of your stories, um, like, basically, like, researching your stories kind of thing. So they would encourage them to, like, hang out at the brothels and go out getting smashed on their nights off um, because it was, like, technically it was considered sort of part of their job. So they'd have a better idea of how to play the characters that they were playing in these, mm-hmm. in their, you know, more kind of... Um, risque raucous type stories so yeah that, that's a great parallel there right because it's it very much was a part of the history yeah too. But, but, and, but like do that but keep yourself under control and that's your problem we have no safety net for you yeah but it but you know bone bone found him and and kind of kind of helped him get his life back and they, together and for one yeah. wonderful episode they were so oh my happy. god it was so oh, beautiful for one brief shining moment yeah and um, they were so happy i, I guess the only other Thing, well, there are 8 million things we could talk about on the whole complicated relationship front, but also, I remain fascinated by that idea of, like, is Bone is Bone very closeted, 
or is he ace or is he both yeah i uh the thing with the thing with bone that i found that i really liked about his character and um and you know sort of sort of related to on a, on a very personal level was how he he develops these very um deep emotional relationships with people but you never really get the sense that he's that he that there's a physical aspect to it like right um he and shin will give each other hugs and he's perfectly happy um but then you'll see like yurie will kind of try to um there's a few scenes where um where they're like just hanging out together and it's very kind of relaxing and comforting and he's fine with that like he leans his head on her shoulder and it's again like he seems comfortable with that but then when she tries to do things that are a little more um kind of like sexually oriented he gets very uncomfortable and kind of pulls away um, so, and then when she, and then that line she drops where she's like, where she basically says he, he almost never let me have sex with him. Um, to me, he reads as very ace and, but, but, you know, but still develops romantic relationships, um, with people. And so when he, when he finds Shin and, and Konatsu and kind of gets to adopt himself into their, or adopt her and kind of marry Shin, I guess, um, he seems su- like, I don't, I think that's about the happiest you see him in the entire show. Yeah. And I don't get the sense that he's like, and, and you don't get the sense that there's the, you don't get the sense that there's like that part of him that's like, oh, if only we could also make out. Like you don't, fe- there's no, there's not that sense at all. Like it seems like he would be perfectly happy just having this kind of platonic married couple relationship. Um, and I, I think it's, I, I love it. And that episode and when they get to have their little, their little dual Rakugo performance and it's, it's so good. It's my favorite part. He is, he, and he is very sex repulsed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like whenever or at the very least uncomfortable. Shin yeah. brings home women, he's just like, "Oh God, just go get out of here, gross, icky girls." Uh. Uh, it's it's and that I guess that that's because I feel like there are two exactly two weird sour notes in the series, and one is Bone um, licking Yurie's tears, which we can kind of explain away afterwards, and the other one is you know what the other one is. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, oh, do we have to? I mean, I feel like I feel like we can't. You can't. Yeah, no, we can't not without just... discussing the final episode's kind of weird question mark that it leaves open at the end that none of us, none of us were asking, <laughs> none of us were asking Higuchi. Um, so yeah, and it, it is that it is that that uh, the rumor or the the theory, I guess that. Um, Konatsu and Bone maybe maybe uh, had a sexual uh, relationship uh, at one point or another. Yeah, super gross. <laughs> um, and it does. It's it's a very jarring moment at the end of the series. Just, and like the fact that it's asked with such this, like I I always had a hard time with Higuchi because he reminds me of another character in another series that I hate. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, who is uh, it? His name is David Talbot, and he's a prick. <laughs> I hate him, and no one has ever heard of him, and that's fine. Keep on with that. But just, just so the the fact that he's got this very completely, and and I know D that that your argument has always been that he's always been clueless, which I I think he's, yeah, he's always yeah. wrong. Like he keeps coming up with these theories. He's like, oh, I bet Bon killed Shin and Yurie in a moment of passion. And then he finds out the, the actual story, and it's nothing, nothing like that. And no. then he'll go on these, like, long philosophical musings about the purpose of Rakugo. And, and every time he does, like, we cut over to Yotaro, and he's like, what? What do you even know? Shut up. <laughs> um, like, not even really paying attention. And Higuchi's all like, notice me, senpai! Uh, Higuchi's, like, the the absolute epitome of a 
of a clueless academic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I get the feeling he's kind of supposed to be a joke character. Um, so I, so like, because of his long history of being wrong, I don't put a lot of um, credence into the idea that they actually, that Konatsu, uh, that Bone actually is uh, little Shinosuke's uh, dad. <laughs> um, largely because of that. But then but then there's still that question of, like, why even bring it up in the story in the right. first place? And I have some thoughts on that, but, right. like, I mean, I want to give you guys a chance to talk, too, so... Um, well, I, do you have anything else you want to add about I mean, that? I mean, I... I mean, ugh, obviously, but... I, yeah. I, I do think it's ugh. interesting that they choose that moment. I guess it's in keeping with the show's very reticent approach to feelings, especially intimate feelings, but that they choose that moment to confirm, to have Konatsu confirmed that, yeah, she was in love for, with him for a while. And I wish having read that little, the, the little short side story that came with what was it, volume 10? I wish Yeah, it was like an epilogue short story. Yeah, yeah. I wish that had been in the anime because to me that is the the far better encapsulation of those feelings where she's just young and angry and looking for attention and she's a weird hormonal teenager so naturally she's sublimating that into a crush and meanwhile bone is like oh no oh no i know what this sad sad feeling is oh no oh no yeah and then sort of deliberately pushes her away after that which also kind of explains um some of the coldness in their relationship i mean part of it is again just he as a person is very um nervous about forming bonds with people because he's been abandoned so many times um and i mean he was their relationship was pretty badly poisoned when she decided when she came to the conclusion that he had murdered her he that he had murdered her parents yeah and he was okay with her needing to blame him so he was like yeah that's fine blame me if you need to do that i kind of blame myself i really hope Um, that you'll get around to killing me one of these days yeah please god please that's such a sad arc when you especially when you really kind of deal with the fact that bone is a character who probably his entire life but definitely since the accident has been dealing with pretty serious depression off and on yeah um and um which was something that i don't think i had ever really i hadn't thought of it in those terms until he's um in the theater and uh it gets set on fire he sets it on fire there's a question mark there that, that's the one that, yeah, the show's one real dip into kind of sort of magical realism, almost. Yeah, it, it plays with that a lot with the Rakugo performances, um, uh, like Miyokichi's ghost, or Yuri's ghost showing up, and then, um, and then the, the Shinigami and, uh, Shin, uh, visiting, uh, Bon during these, like, lower points when he's, like, hovering on the edge of, of life and death, and so he does have a couple of these, like, suicide attempts at the end, which are really hard to watch, um, but it does, it get to me, it, it just gives you a better idea of like, you know, I mean, he, he, like Caitlin said, he is kind of a jerk and he is kind of an asshole to people and he gets, he gets better as the series goes, but there is very much that, that sense of like, a lot of it comes from, I'm intentionally pushing you away because, um, on the one hand, like, I think I'm a bad person. And on the other hand, I don't want to get hurt anymore. Um, which again, makes, makes him, he's such a, he's he's one of my favorite fiction fictional characters i think ever because he's just so there's so there's there's so much there like he's so well written and complicated and sympathetic and sometimes pisses you off um and i i really like that about it well i mean i was trying really hard to rack my brain and i could not think of another character that we follow from childhood to natural old age death 
I mean, are any of the Joe stars? Like, I feel like... Uh, listen, JoJo's <laughs> Bizarre Adventure is not a real show. It's just an elaborate prank. I believe this with my full heart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about JoJo's, but if they... Yeah, I mean, if they follow the characters from birth to death, that's, um, that's pretty cool. It's it's very, it's very definitely very rare to see. It um, is. For sure. Especially so closely. I don't want to get, a, get in on JoJo's here. Oh, yeah, that's fair. What were you saying, Brian? So, uh, so, well, just, like, especially, I, I guess not even, like, especially so closely, because, you know, a lot of, they're, they're, it's not, it's not completely unheard of to see a character when, to, like, flashback to a character when they're young and then see them as old, old mentors. But, you know, we stick with Bone through pretty much every major development in his life. Right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And we, you know, the fact that they have managed to build such a complex character in 13 episodes because he was already incredibly complicated by the end of the first Mm -hmm. season no that's true the fact that they built up this very very complicated character very very quickly is just absolutely incredible and all of the characters are very complicated they are yeah absolutely Um, like miyokichi is even though she like i said she was originally sort of conceived as a villain she she did develop a lot of like I could see a lot of complexity when I looked at her, even if it, even if it wasn't totally intentional. Um, yeah, no, I know? think she becomes a tragic figure in her own right too, and and she absolutely does. And I think sort of one of the things about Yotaro is that, by contrast, he's he's not super complex, but in a very real way, like he's still like written as a person with the full range of human emotions, but he's just a very sweet, simple guy with simple hopes and simple dreams and simple desires. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely more straightforward than the others, but like you said, like he doesn't feel like two dimensional at all. He 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 feels like a like right. a person who just who just is more straightforward, who goes, Well this is what I want to do and so here's what I'm gonna do. Right. Like like he has his struggle with finding his own Rakugo and how he wants to express that. But as far as emotional self-actualization, he's pretty much there. He, to me, he's the kind of, well, and I think one of the reasons Yotaro's story is a lot more straightforward than the others is because pretty much every character is kind of looking for a place where they can be accepted and belong. And most of them are denied that until quite a bit later in their lives. Mm Um, Yotaro is um, accepted into the Rakugo world and when it looks like maybe that's going to fall apart um, to, at like the very beginning of season 2 when like his his history as a criminal is coming out and like mm-hmm. people aren't signing him up for shows anymore um, he goes to Bone and is like really upset about this and Bone is like no you're fine embrace your past I you're my student this is keep keep working and so he gets that. He gets that that kind of wholehearted acceptance from both Bone and Konatsu. Right. Um, which is which is really and lovely. He, and he offers and it to them as well. That. Yeah, and he and then he in turn, you know, gives that to them and Um Yeah, he's he he sort of you know, the you know, 'cause Bone and Konatsu, part of their whole deal is that they've never really uh had that sort of acceptance in their lives. Someone who was unconditionally supportive um, well, and they kind of did with each other. They just refused to admit it. So it I still mean, made their relationship, like, fraught with horrible trouble for a long, long time. Yeah, but, like, you know, instead of instead of just, like, Konatsu has him, and even though she is 
not the kind of person who can just come out and be happy about it. He's just like, yeah, you can do Rakugo. You're great at Rakugo. And then they hug yeah. and it's so good. It's so good. You know, and, he gets her, um, and he's like, you do the show. Go, go on. You'll uh, be great. I mean, yeah. And even in the beginning when she was still very young and very angry, he was just very wholeheartedly supportive. Like, like, as soon as he finds out she's pregnant, he's like, well, what if I marry you and help you raise the kid? Like, and didn't even hesitate. He's a good boy. Um, he's a good boy. He's, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's just a sweet boy who is just full of love and acceptance. And part of that is um, to his detriment. Like, he, the whole reason he got arrested was because he just sort of attached himself to this this strong leader like yeah mm-hmm. and that strong leader unfortunately was uh, a criminal um so yeah that i mean that is kind i mean it's not really touched on too much in the show but i think that's an interesting element for a character who is as open as yotaro is this you know how do you find people who are worth who, who are worth the amount of trust you're willing to place in them right i, I am a little bit sad that Crunchyroll viewers didn't get the full double premiere of season two, only partly because I wanted to spend more time with that delightful reporter who looks kind of like James. <laughs> <laughs> My friend really liked that guy. <laughs> oh, the fancy boy. I loved the fancy lad and I wanted to spend more time with him. Yeah, I think he's in... Are you you're, right? You're talking about the the season one like prologue, the OVA that got truncated down into a short episode, well, right? Um, what we're talking about? I think it was for se- yeah. This I think season must have been the season one OVA then. The stuff that's a lot of that's a lot of the stuff about the tattoo and like Yotaro's years coming forward to the present that like decade or so. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I, I will forever have my fingers crossed that we'll get some really nice Blu-ray release and it'll have the full. The, that full like OVA on it, so we get we get those those little bits of extra detail because I do think those would have been helpful going into season two, especially with some of the characters who kind of just show mm-hmm. up. And you're like, who's that guy? Right. Um, very very fancy. I'm, I'm so easy to please. <laughs> he grows a shitty mustache. So it holds him down and take away that terrible mustache. It's a bad time that is that I had to see with my own two eyes. <laughs> it's a bad mustache. <laughs> do we have a beat up has season one been re- i want a physical release of this show is what i'm saying give it to me put it in my it face it has not i don't yeah, think it there's... has gotten oh yeah i don't think there's any i don't think there's any announcement um i well, i was talking to, to peter who's uh dear listeners is also on the anime anime feminist staff if you didn't know who uh does some work for crunchyroll as well and so he sent out a message about um how he wanted a good blu-ray release and i was like well peter you should tell your uh, company to get on that then because yeah no i i would love a i would love a complete a complete edition with yeah all the bonus all the bonus information we have not gotten a, a yet. dub for this show would be so weird wouldn't it just because of the heavy amount of cultural stuff? Yeah, I'm I don't not know sure you'd if it's even, Yeah, I'm not sure you would even bother. I think it might be one of those releases that you just... And again, because it is pretty niche, as much as as much as much we, uh, we we love to plug it, um, it is it is a fairly... The people who watched... Yeah, the people who watched it love, love it. 
but that's not a whole lot of people. It's definitely like a cult following. Samurai flamenco syndrome, I call it. <laughs> well, a very different flamenco kind of had show. the thing where a bunch of Except people just that rage quit. Was very consistently good from. Um, it's, oh. I think it's a difficult one to get into just because of that kind of historical, well, both cultural and historical hurdle. So you're, you know, I mean, as as somebody in in the U.S., you're you're like, okay, what's Rakugo? What's and you know what's. Uh, what was Japan like in the fifties? Which I'm sure there are people in Japan who were also like, "What was what was Japan like mm-hmm. in the fifties? Um, but then, then you also have that historical level, so it's not just this takes place in Japan; it's this takes place in Japan in around World War Two, um, and so kind of easing yourself into that that world and that mindset. And I think the characters are extremely mm-hmm. um, well written enough that you know I think you can connect to them regardless of where you are. But um, kind of getting over that first hurdle of of the subject matter itself I think can be a little bit tricky. But at the same so. time I think mm-hmm. that also makes it kind of incredibly special because if, if you don't speak Japanese and even if you do there's you're probably never going to be able to see a live Rakugo performance or or even listen to one of the recordings like they have in the show like you, it's just an insurmountable character barrier without this kind of drama wrapped around it to explain it to you. Rakugo is re- reasonably accessible, um, and there actually are a handful of Rakugo performers who perform in really? English. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it has... Don't let the show fool you. Rakugo has actually evolved with the times quite a bit. Yeah. The series is kind of an alt history. Um, I guess Komoda came out in an interview about this... Um, uh, Carice, who has done a bunch of interviews for the sh- for the series, was telling me about this. Um, and Komoda intentionally set the show to take place in kind of an alt history where Rakugo was, like, legit dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it went through kind of a slump in the real world, but it was never mm-hmm. as badly... It was never as bad off as the right. show makes it out to be. There were female performers, like, professionals by the early 90s in, mm-hmm. in, in the real world. And then there were foreigners doing it, um, I want to say, in the early aughts is when you started to see that kind of pop up. That's really interesting. I learned a thing. Yeah, yeah it's... it's the, show, the show makes it out where after the theater burns down... No one performs Rakugo in Tokyo for 15 years. The show had been so in such like a sort of sen- real world setting that the sudden like the sudden alternate history felt kind of jarring to me because I hadn't really noticed that it was that it was um, had been diverging from uh, the real world because yeah like they're making such a big stink about. Uh, Konatsu finally being the first female Rakugoka when they had been there had been women performing Rakugo for 20 years um, which also like they make such a big deal out of it and she's got such a, like an important arc in this season and we don't even get to see her performance I thought that was kind By of the way too yeah. I, I like the to way. think there's an I'd like to think there's an extended version where we get to see her oh I hope so I want to see Konatsu perform Anyway, anyway, but yeah, it was really strange because Rakugo absolutely did evolve with the times. Like, I'm sure there were a lot of people who fought tooth and nail against it because, you know, culturally, a lot of Japan is very, very reluctant to accept change. Um, A lot of things are done in very old fashioned ways that are unimaginable here. When I worked there, we, you know how we communicated between places? It's faxes the last fax machines um, on earth yeah like, we're not there in the night because because japan was not um adopting the any like new ways of communication while i while i'm sure there were people who 
who fought changes to Rakugo really hard and who did have Bone's perspective of, well, if it has to change in order to survive, I'm just, I just want it, I would rather it just died. You know, it did evolve. Um, and I think it's awesome that it did. And so I had been sort of mentally preparing myself for that point in the show. I had been doing some mild research on female Rakugo performance performers when that didn't happen <laughs> it was just like wait what that's that's or like sincerely fascinating to me because i i am a goofball dum-dum who just kind of said well the anime said it so <laughs> i guess that's how it happens it is very good for my for my dumb bad brain to have these actual facts <laughs> yeah researching rakugo like while also doing the the write-ups for it was really fascinating um because yeah and well and it is because the idea in the series is that Vaughn is digging in his heels in a lot of kind of strange ways because he's not again like he decides to take he decides to um bring Yotaro into his family but he doesn't and he doesn't really stop him from like talking to Higuchi and doing new things he just doesn't help him um, so you do kind of get the sense that he moves very gradually over the course of that second season. Well, really, from, like, the moment he meets Yotaro on, from that sense of, like, screw it, Rakugo's gonna die, um, I'll just, I'll just, I'm gonna take it down with me, um, like, like a jealous lover, um, to kind of realizing I can't stop this from happening, and kind of backing off to then finally kind of accepting that change, and, and being able to, to die peacefully, knowing that, like, kind of letting Rakugo go, um, letting it know that it will carry on without him and kind of entrusting it to to the two people who were most important. And I, I know that, like, afterlife scenes can be cheesy, but God, I needed it so much in this show. Yeah, it was really, I think it was really important to sort of get that last bit, to get that sort of coda to his arc. Um, because there he did have a lot of unfinished business that he could not finish in the world of the living because it was with people who were dead and the show the show was wrapping everything up with him so beautifully like they couldn't they couldn't not yeah you you kind of had to get that caption and not just you know i mean uh, absolutely to wrap up um bones arc and kind of that final sense of peace that he was able to get but um also to give us just a little bit more with sheen and yurie um, so nice to see yurie get closure like so nice yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah and really that... to see sorry go ahead again <laughs> That really only happened because of Megumi Hayashibara. Oh, yeah she she helped make she helped give uh, give Yurie a, a better a better ending and it was yeah it was really nice to see that you know um, they weren't just like suffering eternally they weren't damning Bone the way he and I think Konatsu uh, had worried they were doing um, from the afterlife. Um, they were, you know, they wanted them to be happy and they were, they were grateful that they had been, that they had each other, that Kanatsu and Bone had each other. And, um, so then being able to kind of say goodbye like that and murder us all with a pinky promise. Oh, I'd like shout out to Matsuda, who I, we haven't talked about at all, but who is the best. He, oh gosh. Oh, Matsuda. Yes. That's, that, we're, we're actually running, we're coming close up to the, to the hour. So Matsuda's, Matsuda's a great place to stop because he's kind of like secret secret hero of the story i think in some in a lot of ways um, this this idea the, of like the roadie of rakugo the the little the, the people yeah, who make it happen yeah the the sort of perpetual caretaker and then and then i love that we got his story at the very end and that that sort of cuz rakugo is so much about storytelling and so to kind of wrap it back around to um 
everyone has a story. Even this guy who's been with us from the beginning, who you barely knew who he was in the first episode, and then, like, gradually became more and more of a character. Um, even he has a story, and even he has, you know, a, a, a important place in, in this narrative. Um, good. It was a good final, final, final moment, I guess. What we're saying is that this show is, is very good, and you should watch it. Because, like... It is extremely good. If, yeah. if at least five more people watch it, maybe we'll get that DVD. <laughs> and then make five more people watch it, and we'll start a... It's, it's a pyramid scheme Those always of, work. Of, Rakugo, of Rakugo Blu-ray. <laughs> um, that's that's where this is going, for sure. Um, yeah, so so watch Rakugo if you, if you haven't already. Which, if you're listening to this and you haven't already watched Rakugo... What are you doing? Well... <laughs> You must be very confused, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you stayed with us, regardless. Um, all right, uh, folks, that's going to do it for us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell your friends. And if you really liked what you heard, consider tossing a dollar or more to our Patreon each month. Uh, your support really does go a long way towards making Anime Feminist happen, both in print and in your earbuds. Uh, if you're interested in more from the Antifem team and all of our wonderful contributors, please check us out at uh, www.animefeminist.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Twitter at AnimeFeminist, and we recently launched our Tumblr at AnimeFeminist as well. Um, we don't have a pithy closing line for the podcast just yet, so I'm going to fall awkwardly into silence and hope our editor fills this space with some catchy theme music. I believe in you, Peter. Peter.